Good morning. The reading today comes from 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 16. Praise to God for a living hope. Praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that could never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, through now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to the beg your pardon, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even through refined fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told by you told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, So be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This morning we begin a new series considering discipleship, and God's grace. Over the coming months, we shall be thinking through what it means to be a disciple of Jesus and to be a church that makes disciples. And uh, we shall be considering God's grace that has come to us through the Lord Jesus. Grace that we as disciples embody. So, our theme this morning uh, is Disciples Embodying God's Grace. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given to you. We're going to be looking at this command and its context in Peter's letter and see what it says to us. Peter has just written about the salvation that God sends his people Through the Messiah. 
See, the prophets of the Old Testament spoke of this coming Messiah, sent to demonstrate God's loving grace to his people. could say God's grace embodied in the person of a saviour. However, though those prophets searched intently and carefully, they could not see clearly who or how. In verses 10 to 11 of the passage we've just heard in 1 Peter chapter 1, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. See, grace would come through this Messiah's suffering and glory. It must have seemed a mystery that they longed to understand. And yet, the Old Testament prophets realised that the full revelation was for a people to come. The prophets were simply servants, bringing, sowing God's word, ready for the right time for it to be harvested and enjoyed. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. We must always remember that God saves us in order for us to serve. We exist as church in order to serve him and to serve others, not living to please ourselves. So as we gather as church, we gather not as consumers, all about me, 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 my wants, my preferences, but we gather as givers, as worshippers. Lord, I come to you to worship you and to serve your people in your world which you love. So the prophets, though they would not see for themselves the Messiah to come, they were proclaiming him as the one to come and they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. The prophecies of the Old Testament knitted together with the gospel of the New Testament in the person of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. You could say Jesus hidden in the old and revealed in the new as the way to be saved. What a privilege to hear such a gospel for ourselves and to bring such a gospel to others around and about us. This is a gospel, this is good news of life through Jesus Christ. Our eyes are opened, our hearts softened to receive him. I want to say, if there are any here who have yet to receive Jesus as their saviour, then I urge you to do so today. This will be the best decision 
you could ever make. Think of it as a bit of an illustration as well for those who may think they know him and yet have never actually bowed the knee to him and given their lives to him, repented, turned around from their sin and received him. Perhaps those that have been coming, been part of church for many years and yet have not recognised him and received him as Saviour and Lord. Think of it in this way. If you've ever gone on an aeroplane and you're given the safety announcement at the beginning with all these arm movements and that, and they speak of the oxygen masks falling from the compartment in front of you, which you hope you will never ever see. Uh, But they tell you very clearly, despite your best instincts, this is, especially if you've got little ones, to put the mask on yourself first, then put it on the little ones or on another. In other words, we need to receive that life for ourselves. As then we will be able to minister it to others. Make sure you receive the life of God which comes down to you in the person of Jesus, recognising your need for his life. Peter reminds his readers that this gospel, this good news of grace, has now been fully shared through the revealing of Jesus as Messiah. He is the one who has been sent to be our saviour. As Tim spoke uh, to us last week, all of the Old Testament sacrificial practices kind of wrapped up, embodied, illustrated, fulfilled in Jesus. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And you and me, here in our time, in our land, have the privilege of the freedoms of being able to hear this good news for ourselves and understand it in our own language and in our context and be able to receive it and to be able to freely proclaim it to others. Here is grace from God towards such sinful humanity as I and yourself. Even angels long to look into these things. And yet Jesus is revealed to us. And Peter, in these words to his readers, has some reminders and some commands to those who receive and embody this good news, this grace. In verses 13 to 16, he issues a series of commands, we could say, by the Spirit to his readers uh, and to us here today. These are not commands to be obeyed in order to get into God's good books, Uh, Because we can only, by grace, come to our God by faith. But they are reminders of how we should live our lives now we have encountered God's grace in Christ for ourselves. In other words, if we have truly experienced God's undeserved goodness, his grace, then this is how we will want to live our lives as devoted disciples and followers of Jesus. So three commands for the disciples who embody God's grace. Firstly, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you 
when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. The disciple of Jesus is to love God with all their mind. To be one whose mind is focused upon Christ and what Christ wants. Whose conduct is one of soberness rather than drunkenness or debauchery. The followers of Jesus, you see, do not leave their mind behind at his call to follow. We are to consider, to weigh up, to count the cost of following him. And indeed there is a cost to following Jesus. But may we, as we count and consider that cost, seek to be obedient by faith as we follow. See, Jesus said, no one sets out to build a tower without first working out if they can finish the job. As we look at the extension work being done presently on our manse, we hope that the builders have worked out how they can finish the job. We think they're doing very well. And every so often I offer a little bit of advice. (laughs) As we seek to respond to Jesus' call to follow, we must do so carefully considering the cost to ourselves. Remembering that there is a greater gain to any loss that we might experience. Remember the conversation between the Apostle Peter and Jesus. Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. It is true that following Jesus means picking up our cross daily in order to follow fully. I want to echo some of the words that Ian shared with us earlier on about I commend also to you the One Good Friday Passion Play that's happening this year. And it's a real uh, privilege to be able to, the other night, be up there watching them, rehearsing and and seeing Ian playing his uh, part of Peter and uh, expressing that kind of famous uh, encounter uh, where he says, "I, I didn't know the man. And how powerfully... That is presented to us. Knowing that Peter was someone just like us who messed up and yet God continued to work with him and through him. Isaiah reminds us that our way is not hidden from the Lord. Our cause is not disregarded by him. We have no need for complaint. For the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. In fact, Peter reminds us in his letter that in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Though for a little while, 
We may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There is an inheritance kept in heaven for us. He says about how through we, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, we greatly rejoice. See, God is graciously about the business of the salvation of our souls. So as we approach daily discipleship, being alert and sober to the worldly realities and the spiritual battles and the daily costs that being associated with Jesus brings, this life of discipleship is a life of faith. So we set our hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ has revealed it is coming. See, there is a future grace that Jesus promises his disciples alongside the past grace that we received in Christ when we came to believe in him and the present grace in Christ that we have as we follow him in his strength and power by his spirit. God's grace, his undeserved kindness and mercy and blessings poured out upon us What we do not yet have, we hope for. As Paul writes to the Romans, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. As disciples of Jesus, we live in the reality of the now, but the not yet. We have received God's grace through Christ. We receive grace daily, presently. But there is grace to come, for which we in our minds remain alert and sober, waiting patiently. Don't get distracted, nor despondent, nor discouraged in your discipleship, but delight in him daily. The second reminder and command is that as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You see, in receiving Christ Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, we have done the work that God requires to believe in the one he has sent, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is our act of obedience in response to Jesus' perfect obedience as he goes to the cross and as he dies in our place. It is by grace we have been saved through faith in the Son of God who loved us and laid down his life for us. So now we have received the gracious gift of Jesus as Saviour. May we live our lives, acknowledge him as Lord, no longer conforming to the evil desires we had when we lived in ignorance. That's gone, that's in the past. Our eyes, our hearts, our minds have been opened to the reality of sin and disobedience. So may we now pursue Jesus and what he wants in us and through us rather than what we would selfishly pursue. For those whom God shines the light of Christ in our lives, 
Ignorance is no longer an excuse. So we pray, God, give us grace day by day to live lives that no longer conform to the pattern and mould of this world, its standards, its systems. But may we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, in this, may we be able to test and approve what God's will is, your good, pleasing and perfect will. And lastly and thirdly, a reminder and command, as Peter puts it, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So God who is holy calls us to be holy, to be set apart for God's good use. See, Paul tells the Ephesian church, that God chose us in Christ Jesus before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. See, God set his sights before the world was even created upon our holiness in Jesus. And as the writer to the Hebrews implies, we have a part to play in this. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Make every effort to be holy. Without holiness, we will not see the Lord. May each of us pray for an increased holiness, for an increased holiness of God among us and within us. May we as church pray for the holiness of God to be made manifest as we gather and as we scatter as church. But if we are serious about holiness, then we must be serious about sin. We cannot carry on the way we are. Let us submit to him no longer to sin. May all that we do be centred upon Jesus, submitted to his lordship, giving him our worship. Paul reminds Timothy that God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. So to conclude, I urge us all to heed these three reminders and three commands of Peter. The reminders that the disciples of Jesus are those with minds that are alert, those who are fully sober, those who are the obedient children of God, our Father who is holy, those whose obedience is demonstrated as they have believed in the Son whom he has sent to be their Saviour. And may we continue in our obedience by setting our hope on the grace to be brought to us when Jesus Christ is revealed by his coming. 
by no longer conforming to the evil desires we had when we lived in ignorance, and by being holy in all that we do, set apart for God's good use. May our lives result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Before our closing song, let us pray. We thank you that you are a God who speaks into our hearts and minds. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love and that you have sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to rescue us from all our wrongdoing, to lift us up from the pit and set our feet upon the rock. And so we give ourselves to you. Perhaps here some for the first time ever, acknowledging you to be our Saviour, desiring you to be our Lord. Perhaps some here for the umpteenth time, recognising the need of you, your daily, daily grace. And so, Lord, we come as we are before you, for we can come no other way. And we pray, move powerfully within our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our strength. We give ourselves fully to you, to your calling upon our lives, that calling to be holy, that calling to walk with you. And Lord, we ask that in your grace you may watch over us, you may empower us, you may deliver us, you may fill us afresh. Come, living God, we pray, by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit upon each one here in this place. Upon those we love and care about, may your light and life transform them. Upon this town of Horsham, bring your life to this place. Turn us round, Lord, for we need you. And we give you our thanks and our praise. In Jesus' name, amen.